Hi, I'm Helleth Kendrick. And I'm Chris Keane. And this is Series 2 of the Recruit for Spouses podcast. This episode, we talk to Lauren Duncan from LinkedIn. Now, we were very lucky to actually go in and record the podcast at HQ in London. And it was really, really great to meet Lauren and look at the incredible facilities that LinkedIn has. But also what we talked about for the armed forces community was how military spouses can actually get onto LinkedIn. If you don't have a profile, it's really good listen. If you do have a profile, there's a lot of really good tips in it around how to network, getting the right kind of job, but also how to really find the job of your dreams. So get a pen and paper to the ready because there's lots of really good tips in here. Before we get onto those though, let's hear about Lauren's background and how it all started. I grew up in Scotland, as you can probably tell, and I went to university in Glasgow. I studied political science um, and got my degree there. I loved my life in Scotland. At the time, I was working as a hotel manager and was kind of toying between whether or not to do that as a career rather than pursue my academic interests in politics. So a long story short, I ended up in recruitment, which is a bit bizarre. But I think that the skills I gained from both of those experiences at the time really led well to my confidence in that particular area. And that's how I started my journey in the kind of talent acquisition recruitment world. And I worked for a global recruitment agency called Michael Page for a few years. And that's where I got my first taste of working with public sector organisations, because that was my role there. So I would help universities, um, the local government, NHS, to recruit individuals into their organisation. And I had a fab time there. But I met my now husband and we moved down south and I had to get a new job to do that. And that's when I worked with Total Jobs, which was my first introduction to online tech, which was a a fab experience. Again, working with public sector organisations, but this time helping people use online technology to do that pursuit and after that I moved into my first education role. I spent many years in the education sector initially working for UCAS, worked there for many years in leadership roles, fantastic experience and then a few years with the Quality Assurance Agency which verifies education globally when it's taught in English and all of that brought me to where I am now, to my bucket list company to work for. Never thought LinkedIn would look at me. I assumed I would have to, you know, I've worked in the the tech space for a long time. But their interest in me was that journey that I've just described. The fact that I'd worked in academic, public service and government. It was a huge area of growth for them. And the the role came up at the right time and um, I haven't looked back. That's exciting. And actually, the people part is a big part, because going back to your days of even though you did political science, you, you read that, you also worked in hotels, so you were very good at people, so they picked up on that. And now, as your role in LinkedIn, what does that entail exactly? So I work within our, we call it our academic and government team, but essentially the UK sector has now a dedicated team at LinkedIn that looks after all of our civil service and public sector organisations, not-for-profits, the police and all of our universities and colleges and I'm one of the the account directors within that team that specialises in working with organisations within that sector to really get the most out of LinkedIn in terms of talent acquisition 
So using LinkedIn to recruit people, to advertise their vacancies, to showcase their employer branding, but also to help them with learning and development of their organisations as well. So it's not a kind of one-stop trick. It's how do you get the best people in and then how do you develop and maintain your current staff and future staff to continue with them and your organisation. So I work closely with those individuals. There's a lot of growth. It's not an area that LinkedIn traditionally has worked in in the UK. We've grown that over the last five years. It's quite obvious we work more probably more commercial companies in the past. So I'm hugely excited about that big change and the investment they've made in there because there's a lot we can do to help the public and third sector to use LinkedIn in the best way possible. And actually, there's so many questions to ask you, but really around LinkedIn as an employer, because we're seeing now post-pandemic and COVID and restrictions and people are all talking about working from home. But you and I offline were talking about the sort of hybrid workforce and, and the culture that's driven by big companies. What does LinkedIn do for you as a person, as a mother who lives not in London? How does that work for you? So... I think that it would be fair to say that LinkedIn has evolved over the last three years as well. It would never say that it's always worked in the way that I'm about to describe. But we do have a global policy now for hybrid working. And hybrid's the word that we were talking about. It's not necessarily working from home. It's giving employees the trust and the empowerment to work where they want to work, how they want to work to get the job done. So personally for me, how that transpires is that I can do exactly that. You know, if I have to be local to where my daughter is at nursery for the usual domestic chores that are involved in that, that works out fine. If I want and need to be in the office, I can make that journey as well. But I can plan my work life around my personal life and it empowers us to do that. And that comes from a position of trust. It also comes from a position of LinkedIn recognising that that has a positive impact, not just in motivation of individuals, but productivity the organisation as well and we've seen that and we're, we're working towards that in a global sense now so that flexibility is huge for me not just for myself but my colleagues as well and the really nice thing that LinkedIn does is it doesn't just say that that's about family life you know you don't have to have that hybrid flexibility just because you've got children but it could be because you want to go to the gym after work or you play in a tennis club or you want to see friends and family They've recognised that it's wider than just perhaps dependence at home. And that's fantastic as well because suddenly there's no pressure on having to go to appointments or meet people and it just makes you want to do a better job ultimately for the organisation that you work for. That's a really interesting topic and the whole piece around culture, values and productivity. So talk to me a little around the values because values and culture is something that we're doing a lot with our spouses at the moment. So talk to me about the culture and the values that LinkedIn sort of behold. Again, it's an evolving piece, the the culture at LinkedIn, and it, it tries to keep up with the changing environment outside as well. It's one of inclusivity. It does certainly try to achieve that in every aspect of what it does. It's also one of, I kind of used the word empowerment a little bit a minute ago as well, but ensuring that every employee feels that it can make a difference in what it does. Act as an owner is one of our kind of values that you'll see if you walk around our London office. And that kind of distills from that very much that, you know, I have great pride in what I do. I treat my work as my own mini business within a business. And I have great respect for LinkedIn and my colleagues as part of that. One of our other values, if you like, is that Everything we do at LinkedIn is about members first. So any decision we make on our technology, on our commercial decisions that we make, partners that we make, we always think about members first. And what I mean by that is that your profile and my profile on LinkedIn are more important than a commercial relationship with 
a huge global organisation because we need our members to be protected first. We need them to be on the platform and engage. Without them, it doesn't work. And that's a very bold move. And I see that happening every day. I see decisions made based on that ethos. And that just gives you that kind of nice environment to work in as an individual as well. Culturally, that sits very well with me and my values. I don't feel that we'll make decisions that will impact people in an adverse way. And that's fantastic to see. You've talked about the office today as well. You know, we're quite laid back. We encourage people to be who they are and not to feel that they have to kind of shy away and fit into a certain definition of a person. And I, and I really like that because, as I said at the start, I didn't think LinkedIn would look at someone like me. You know, I'm a bit older and thought it would be, you know, full of people straight out of university with degrees in digital. But the office is very varied in terms of age, gender, backgrounds, cultures, and it's just a lovely environment to work in. That's great. And interesting what you said about own it like it's your own business, because when you and I started talking and, and communicating and actually how we met was we met at the Mission Motorsport event and we just had a really great conversation, which was lovely. We got on really well. But you were going away. You had some family stuff to get on with. But you were saying, look, I'm off, but I'm still going to finish my work. And I think that sort of embodies everything. There's one thing about saying yeah. this is what we do, but actually living it. Yeah. And, and I've actually in the short time that we've known each other, I've seen you actually live those values and culture and it's something that we're trying to educate our spouses around which is really important yeah I think people may be surprised that an organization of LinkedIn size you know we're part of Microsoft ultimately has that kind of family vibe about it mm-hmm. and um, one of the things that you'll hear quite a lot at LinkedIn is families first so mm-hmm. if you have a bereavement or you have a sick child or you know you're you're personally going through something you know straight away family first comes out of every manager every director's mouth there's no questions asked you know you sort that out first and Mm -hmm. this will be here when you come back yeah and you hear that at the start and you think that's just what they say that's what everyone says so that you talk well about them out there but as you've seen and I've seen personally it does happen and you don't have that pressure then um, to try and do it all because it's impossible to do it all when you've got commitments outside of work but equally what we talked about with culture and we were saying earlier on that you you know you can have the culture on the walls but it's actually living it and I've as I said earlier I've seen that in working with you but equally tell us a little bit about burnout because I understand that LinkedIn are doing a lot around supporting because post-COVID again people are talking about that a lot what are you doing at LinkedIn? It's a really good question and I think it starts from you know the moment that the pandemic started I've always felt the support from LinkedIn throughout that period it was scary for people for all different reasons but we were supported throughout What the business realised during that period was that people were suffering from burnout, which is a very huge topic right now in the commercial world, because you are working more remotely, you maybe work longer hours, you're, you're feeling a pressure maybe in a different way than you have in the past. So burnout is very real. We've talked about that even just personally, our own feelings of burnout. And what LinkedIn has done is actually made public statements around this now. Our CEO, Ryan Lansky, based in the States, he talks about this on his own LinkedIn profile. They have made as an exec decisions to support staff during this period and because of this theme of burnout to introduce more days off in the year that are not part of our annual leave allocation, for example. I'm not sharing anything that's, you know, private to LinkedIn. This is something that we talk about publicly on LinkedIn all the time. So one of the first things they did this year was they have a a company shutdown for July 4th in the States, which is fantastic. Then globally, we introduced five days this year called lift up days no questions asked we've picked five random Fridays throughout the year 
and every single staff member can take that time off now to do what they want. They can spend time with their family, they can pursue an interest, they can travel. That day is now yours, you know, to enjoy. That's really important because it doesn't come out of that allocation that we all kind of, you know, look at every year, particularly if you've got children, you're trying to organise time off. It's a unique day off for us to, to really enjoy. So that's a really good example of, you know, speaking those values outside and protecting our our staff members and looking after them really as well. So it's been fantastic to see that happen. Yeah, amazing. And so, as you say, you know, again, we'll go back to that time when you, you and I were talking and you weren't doing it out of guilt. You weren't doing it because your boss or your line manager was saying, you have to do this. You were doing it because you wanted to do it. Yeah. And I think we're seeing definitely companies that embody their values and their culture really seeing an increase in productivity as well with this hybrid kind of workforce and moving forward. So let's talk a little bit around the outreach work that you're doing Tell us a little bit about that. So there's all different versions of that at LinkedIn. We support all different kind of charities, outreach programmes, and that goes across the global kind of span. From a local level, we internally advertise outreach programmes quite regularly on our internet, so you can have a look and see what interests you. A few of the things that I'm involved in, the first, I'll come back to in a second, is where we met. One of the big things that I do is a thing called Rock Your Profile. I'm an ambassador for that, and we'll go out into our local communities and support organisations to help people to get on LinkedIn and to use the platform. So it's not about how do we generate income or how can we get more customers on LinkedIn. It's about how do the individuals on there use it. And that goes from working with schools. So it can be 16, 17, 18-year-olds who are about to leave high school and maybe go into a job or go into university. How do they set their profile up? That could be working with armed forces personnel and really help them transition out of their current role and how they can use LinkedIn to find their next role. And essentially any organisation really that's looking to help support those individuals. So that's, that's a big area for me. I mentioned the armed forces because that's where we met. That's another area where we are looking to try and do more support, particularly in the UK. We do a lot of work in the US for the veterans across there. It's a US-based company, so naturally over the years that's been a kind of lovely precedent that's been set there to support people so that's an area that we're going to work in more and that's why I guess we're talking today as well which is fantastic which is great so this is the interesting piece around transition and now 75% of the spouses that register with us aren't on LinkedIn we're always saying you must get on LinkedIn talk to us around the sort of the network and building that network and why it's important just to start getting on LinkedIn now so this is something that I spend probably half my time talking about and something that I'm really passionate about because when you think of LinkedIn you'd be forgiven to think that it is you know somewhere where there's jobs listed and that's it and it's so much more than that we wouldn't be able to last and be the organization we are if that's all we provided so the first thing is to say that LinkedIn is social media and I think people feel that we'll try and shy away from that but we absolutely don't we're social media and we're very proud to be social media what we are is a professional network however so it does differentiate from your twitter and your your facebook where we are professionals first professionals only we're talking about an environment where our ambition is to bring all the employees in the world, the global workforce together and create economic good for them all. And to do that, we need to generate more and more members on there to help them to professionally develop on LinkedIn as well. So that's kind of our big throwaway mission statements, if you like. But practically how that works for me is that 
we have something like 830 million members now. We're going for that billion. It'll come soon. And they are based all throughout the world, all different sectors. But there's not 830 million people looking for a job right now. That would be slightly concerning. So I always start by saying that to people. Do you think there's 830 million people looking for a job? The answer is no. So what are these people doing? We used to use this analogy that I'm about to use, but take it with a pinch of salt because the numbers are probably not quite right. But around 20% of those people are what we used to call as active members. And they're probably people who were on LinkedIn only to find a job. That was their main purpose. They came on every day, they searched jobs, they were updating their profile, like an online CV, as you say. And that's what they were there to do. But there's this whole other 80% roughly of people who are like me. So I have no interest in leaving LinkedIn. I absolutely love my job. I'm not just saying that because we're getting recorded on a podcast. I love working for LinkedIn. But I go on LinkedIn every day. I'm on there because I can meet people like yourself. I can follow organisations that either I personally or professionally have an interest in. I can consume news, what's going on around the world right now. I can stay up to date with the latest information. I can connect with people that I used to work with in the past. The number one thing in LinkedIn is still to look at other people. That is something that we're all still interested in. And one of the things that I do every day is that I check up what's happening on Formula One because I absolutely love Formula One. It's a huge passion. So I follow all the teams, all the drivers. I'm really interested in engineering, the technology, the business side of it all, the sponsorship side of it all. So I'm a bit of a geek. I'll be on there liking and sharing and, and reading that information. One day, however, McLaren or Williams, who are based in the UK, they're going to put on their LinkedIn that they're looking for someone like me and I'm going to see that job, and I'm going to apply for that job because I would love to work for there. As much as I don't want to leave LinkedIn, I could still be tempted to be into organisations. So the fact that I am engaged on LinkedIn, that I am following companies, that I'm sharing content, that I'm networking, means that I'm in it to win it. If I wasn't there building up that professional online CV, let's just call it that, that's it's fine to call it that. If I wasn't on there building that up over many years... I might miss out on that opportunity. They might miss out on me because I'm not there as well. So there's so much more to it than just, you know, kind of waiting for a job. There's a whole journey that you take. You can learn, you can develop and grow waiting for those opportunities to come up because they'll find you if you're on there. And that's how I describe LinkedIn to most people. That's really good. And actually, so to the person who's listening to this podcast and thinking, well, you know, I don't really know how to network. What do I do? Do I just connect with all those people that I used to work with? <laughs> so you're sort of saying follow companies that interest them and they may not know anybody, but you can follow the company and actually connect with people you know or connect with people you don't know. How would you... It comes down to individual's choice. We talked about members first at the start, and one of our big things is trust and security on the the network. So I would never encourage people to just blindly follow people they don't know unless they are comfortable with the reasons of doing that. So you may reach out to someone because you, you want to be connected for them for a professional reason. That's absolutely fine. Make sure there's context behind that, though, and it's not just click and connect with everyone because that gets a little bit creepy and you know you're just trying to get your network up that's not how it how it should work you mentioned you know following your interests and I think organically joining LinkedIn is the best way to do that to get on there and see things that you you're interested in we'll start to make recommendations based on your activity and what you do and the companies you used to work for the organizations that you maybe studied at we'll see people that you perhaps were associated with and make those suggestions to you so you can 
almost rely on LinkedIn to help you through that journey as well. You've got to be on there though. It's not going to just all do it for yourself. You've got to kind of interact and build up that experience. But the more you do it, the more we learn and the more interactive and engaging it will become as well. But just look after yourself. Remember that it is social media. Remember that, you know, it's a professional environment as well. And how do you want to be perceived by potential employers in the future, potential organisations? Keep that in mind and you'll be fine. So the algorithms can actually help you to build a career. Is that what you're saying? Building a career is probably one thing. I think that what the algorithms will do is to inspire you, perhaps, and to help nourish your your experience on LinkedIn as well. So a really simple example would be back to the Formula One passion that I have. So when I first started to follow Formula One on LinkedIn, I followed all the teams, but I didn't follow any of the drivers. I didn't think to do that. I should think to do that because I work at LinkedIn. And the first thing LinkedIn did would do you want to follow Daniel Ricciardo? Because he's got his own commercial company. And I thought, well, yeah, that's really interesting. And the next thing comes up, do you want to follow this individual and this individual and so on and so on? So it learned from my interactions, the fact that I post and like things about Formula One, that I probably would have interest in the drivers. And then it will start to make suggestions on things like charities that Formula One perhaps supports. Or it might make suggestions on individuals who are doing outreach work for drivers or the teams or the technology companies that support these companies. Now, I don't have to follow them. That's my choice. But it'll test to see how far my interests go with that individual. So that's how it would work for you as well if you came on and you liked and followed individuals would make those suggestions based on it. But there's no... You don't have to be forced into that. It's all choice at the end of the day, but it's fantastic and intelligent choice that they they make for you. We've just had a quick break and we have had lunch at LinkedIn, which was a very luxurious (laughs) experience. The food was just phenomenal, really. But also the culture, again, we talked about that earlier, but talk around that and how that's important to LinkedIn. It's not unique to LinkedIn. I think there's a lot of big tech companies, a lot of new startups as well now that have recognised that, you know, fueling your staff well, and I mean that literally fueling them with good food, you know, healthy options in the office, it leads to good productivity. So we have lunch provided on site for us. We've just enjoyed lunch all together as well, which was lovely. But one of the, the things that LinkedIn promotes is eating together. So trying to get away from that, sitting at your desk and eating your lunch and working through, which, let's face it, happens to everyone sometimes. It's unavoidable on occasion. But we have a very kind of family-style environment, big long tables, very wagamama, all sit together, catch up. We have two servings, one at 12, one at 1. And it means that you can go up and catch up with your colleagues, disconnect a little bit from what you've been doing and, and refuel yourself, as I said, because it's really important to make sure that you're eating healthy, you're having plenty of water, that you're not working to three o'clock and realising you've not eaten anything or drank anything for the day. So it's just another lovely bit of culture that you really appreciate and really enjoy at LinkedIn. So there's real togetherness. And again, what we talked about with the hybrid working, it's not sort of the importance about being in an office, but also supporting you when you work from home. But when you are in the office, there's a real sense of togetherness. And it's not just let's just lay on a really, really nice food because you can talk about it. It's actually real helping culture, changing the way that we live, work and behave. It's an event and you go up to our restaurant looking to see people and looking to catch up and that's a really nice um, place to be. Don't get me wrong, I live three hours away and I'd quite happily travel three (laughs) hours to have my lunch here because it's tasty. So there's a draw to the office because of of that as well. But if we took the food away tomorrow, it wouldn't impact the culture, I don't believe. I think we still would have that environment. 
Yeah. So let's talk around military spouses and lots of stuff that we have to work with is imposter syndrome, lack of confidence. How getting on LinkedIn can that sort of overcome those feelings of how am I going to get to that job? What do I do? How would being on LinkedIn help that? I think the first thing to remember is go back to what I said at the start and you know as of July 2022 there's about 830 million members on LinkedIn they're not all exactly the same individuals everyone comes from a different walk of life different culture different sectors ages so the first thing that you realize is that you're not alone you're not unusual there are other people like you on LinkedIn you know professionally developing themselves networking so straight away you realize it's it's a place that you can feel at home the other aspect of, of LinkedIn is that it just doesn't happen overnight. You know, you can find yourself in a situation where you want to reskill, you want to move jobs, get a job for the first time. If you wait until, you know, day zero and you've got no time left, no runway left to build that up, it's a bit late to expect just the next day to have a loads of job offers coming through and, you know, kind of opportunities right at your feet. You've got to build that network up. So my recommendation is just to get on there and get used to it, you know, now, straight away. Tomorrow is not soon enough. You know, just get on there, load your profile, start to investigate all the great things of LinkedIn. Don't feel that you have to be somewhere, someone that's the kind of thought leadership. You're not Richard Branson. You don't have to be posting every day. You know, you can build up to that. And if you think of it the other way around, if your ultimate goal is to find a new career or a new opportunity, if you put yourself in the employer's position, if they were on LinkedIn and they were looking for people and they found your profile and there was no information in it and you'd been on for a couple of weeks and you'd just done one post and you'd barely completed it, would they approach you? Would they see you as someone that could be their organisation? So if you think of it that way as well, it's an opportunity for you to build up that credibility and to feel comfortable using the platform for your professional development. Would you say then that it's really important that the individual builds a personal brand? I think that's a really good way of putting it, actually. Um, Some people find that a bit awkward. Mm. You know, it it feels like you're maybe trying too hard, but ultimately that's what you're looking to do. Some people find that really easy. Some people have great success in it. But if you have that as a kind of ambition, you're only going to be moving towards that goal, and I think that's a really good place to be. It doesn't have to just be an online CV. You know, I have things on my LinkedIn profile that are not just about my professional experience. I put my volunteer work in there, my skills, my interests... You can see some of the people that I follow as well, so you can get a real idea about who I am and what I do. Once you start to develop your network and you have connections, just like your friends on Facebook or on Twitter, you'll start to see other people post, people who are perhaps connected to you. We call them second and third degree connections. So in the room, we've got your colleague Chris with us, who's helping out today. So if I'm connected to you on LinkedIn Health, but Chris posts something, about his day, his job, something he likes. I'll see that now because we have that network. Mm -hmm. So I start to open up my opportunities, my professional network by being connected to people. So suddenly you're expanding and expanding that journey. So even if you've only got 10 connections, don't worry because you will see and interact with the people that they're connected to as well and that's how we build that family network. And how would you say this? Somebody listening to this podcast now and they do not have a LinkedIn profile or they have a photograph and it's not very good. <laughs> how would they start about building a basic profile? It's, like, how... it's a good question. The photograph thing I'll come to first because it's kind of the one thing that everyone cringes about. Please, please do put a photograph up there. 
feel confident. If you really don't want to do it, it's no problem at all. But we are trying to build that personal connection with people. If you're meeting someone for the first time, it's nice to see what they look like on their profile so it doesn't feel quite like a blind date. So even for that basic sense, that picture really helps. What I would say in terms of getting started, and we mentioned this earlier on when we were chatting over lunch, plagiarism isn't a bad thing. So don't feel that you can't go on and look at someone on LinkedIn that you know, that you admire, that you aspire to be like. Have a look and see what they've done. Have a look at mine if you want. I'm not saying I'm the best, but there are profiles out there that you can get a good sense of, well, how did they structure it? How did they write it? It's also try and error. A lot of people I work with think, oh, well, as soon as I publish it, that's it. Absolutely not. It's a living, breathing document. It's a living, breathing environment. You can go up and date it any time you want, make changes. I still go back to my older jobs on there and go, why did I write that? That makes no sense now. And update it for today's language or for today's technology, whatever it might be. So that's the way to go about it. Go on there, have a look at people that you like, even a famous person, and just see how they do it and copy the best bits. If you copy the best bits for everyone, you'll have the best profile eventually. So that's my my advice to get started. And even if you, as you said earlier, if you're not looking for work and you are a business owner and you have a side hustle, so you may be in a job that you probably don't want to do forever, but you also don't maybe want your employer to know that you're looking, you want (laughs) to build that profile, you're still looking and how would you sort of position that? That's a great question. I mean, you, if you're used to LinkedIn or you've seen LinkedIn, you'll see there's the opportunity to actually say that you're open to work so that you can be very visible, that either you're ready to move on or you're not in a job, whatever it might be. But there's a whole area of people who are on there who are not looking to work, just like I talked about earlier on. It's absolutely fine to be on there. And my, my recommendation is to be a leader in your sector, to talk about the things that you're doing, to showcase your business ventures, to share content from similar people mm-hmm. to ask questions of your network as well you know I work with a lot of civil service organisations that feel they can't go on social media because they have to stay very neutral you can ask a question that's probably the most neutral way to engage with your audience so you know what do my followers think about X you're opening up a debate you're generating some interest around your profile maybe new connections new opportunities but you haven't actually said anything you're just trying to inspire conversation so there's lots of tips and tricks around how to do that and again you know you can go and look at some great business leaders out there that are doing really well and you can see how they are interacting and how they're generating attraction to their posts as well so a lot of military spouses haven't well they haven't worked for a while but equally they've had a lot of different jobs so they would have would they list all those jobs? So we tell them in a CV, you don't need to list the last sort of three main jobs that you did. Let's try and sell you. So effectively, you're, you're saying the same thing, like sell yourself in a way, which is Absolutely. quite, as you say, quite cringeworthy to do. But it's important <laughs> for the employer to do, isn't it? I think that we've moved on from the world where people will look at CVs and question gaps or why yeah. you change jobs so much. And I don't believe for the majority now of employers that's an issue anymore. And that goes for LinkedIn as well. It doesn't have to be chronological order of absolutely everything that you've done. Most people don't care as well. And I'm being very brutal there, but no one really needs to know that you worked you know, in a restaurant for two months when you were 16. It may have been very valuable and you can bring that up in conversation, but actually from a LinkedIn point of view... Is that going to achieve the goal that you set yourself? If you want to work in a restaurant again, and that's very valid, put that on there. If your goal now is to move into a different sector, a different role, showcase the things, the attributes, the transferable skills that will lead that way to it. Again, always just think about the other way around. As an employer, what would you want to see on someone's LinkedIn? What would attract you to someone and take it from there? But it's yours to do as you wish. What I would say is try and keep it short. 
We're lazy, I think, now. With mobile technology, we, we scroll through our phones. We're not going to sit there for half an hour reading through someone's profile. Give the highlights because this is about making connections and then you can take it forward from there. A lot of military people, particularly military spouses, will have huge gaps in their CVs. How would you overcome that when you're building your LinkedIn profile? It's a very tricky thing for the individual, I think. There's always that fear over, that's not going to look good, people are going to be suspicious of things. And my, my number one bit of advice is to be honest about that time of the period. There's nothing wrong with saying what you did and when and why. Doing that clears it up straight away. If an employer doesn't want to look at you based on that, you don't want to work for that person anyway, I would argue, because further down the road, there'll be some barriers culturally that will not suit you. So that's the first thing, just to be honest about those gaps. And to tell a story a little bit about that as well, because that's a very important part of your life, particularly for the spouses, I imagine, that you work with, that what they'll have went through during that period will be a huge mark on their life. Things will have happened then, they will have learned a lot, they will have changed as a person as a result of it. And telling a story about that, there's no there's no issues at all. In fact, to the people who might be thinking about joining LinkedIn, that's probably the one thing that you want to do at the start, is to write a post about who you are and why you've got here. You can do blogs on LinkedIn, and these work really well to tell that narrative and explain what you did during that period and what it taught you. So embrace it, is what I would say, and don't shy away from it. If it's been through different reasons, bereavements, maybe you've become a carer, again, these are really important things to list there and not shy away from. The world has changed in the last five years, I would say. So it's not something to be concerned about as much anymore. And also, there's something that you can use, isn't there a button that says gap in your CV or career break that, there is. that so you we, can use? We set up the profiles to allow you to do that as well. So it's kind of a technical aspect of it. But anyone listening who's going to do that, it's very intuitive how you fill LinkedIn out. It'll help you fill in those gaps and how to do it. And just trust that it'll look right and it'll make sense to those that are um, looking online at you. Then things like LinkedIn learning, because that's something that we sort of tell our spouses about. Talk to us about that. Yeah, LinkedIn learning is a huge aspect of our business. I think a lot of people don't immediately realise that's an area that we work heavily in. Online learning became huge during the pandemic for obvious reasons. So we've seen exponential growth in terms of people using LinkedIn to learn and develop. What I would say about learning straight away is that We have thousands and thousands of courses available from all around the world, different languages and all different aspects of learning as well. The topics range from a variety of different things, but it's not just about necessarily doing the things that are technical about a role. So you don't have to worry about doing advanced Excel or things. You can do that if you want, but LinkedIn Learning offers you the opportunity to work on your soft skills, for example. And if you're starting that learning journey, perhaps that's the place to start. It's a little bit easier, but just as important as anything else. You can also use it for your personal aspirations as well. So something I've done recently is I'm very privileged that I've got access to LinkedIn Learning as an employee. So I've been taking drawing classes on LinkedIn Learning and it's nothing to do with my career. I'm not going to make any money doing it. I'm not that great at it, but it's something that I do on LinkedIn. Nothing to do, as I said, with the job I do or or in the future. So again, it's another string to the bow of what LinkedIn can do for you because it's all about developing you as a person. And it's just something that I really enjoy as part of my role. And there's lots of great courses, as you say, like presentation skills, overcoming imposter syndrome, building your confidence, psychological safety. You do just literally search what you're looking for. We'll make recommendations based on things you've done in the past. 
There's all different access levels to it as well. So, you know, there's some public facing stuff that everyone can use. And then there'll be organisational level things that perhaps the, the companies that you work for will give you access to. So it's just a fabulous tool to develop both in a professional and personal sense. And there's a really good extra bit as well. When you are out networking and you're meeting people, you know, whether you look for work, which a lot more people are going to events now, there is a section that you can actually scan a QR code of your profile, isn't there? So talk a bit around that. Yeah, I mean, just one of the kind of lazy parts of human life now that you don't have to worry about searching, looking for, you know, the million John Smiths that you've met at an event. You can just literally kind of, you know, scan and get someone's details and then connect with them on LinkedIn. It helps with things as well, spelling and mispronouncing a name. So I think it's a fabulous way to introduce yourselves but it literally is that you know if you're with someone get your phone out scan that code that's how you're going to build up your network that's great and actually building network is great so we'll learn how to actually connect with lauren as well if anybody's got any more questions i'm sure you'd be happy to answer those but i think we need to go back to when we met at mission motorsport event and we were screaming around the f1 um, (laughs) formula one racetrack which is great fun but i think it's really important for people to understand how we connected and how you were there to support veterans and then I think creating awareness around the military family how have you found that sort of experience? So when I joined LinkedIn over three years ago now I came into the organisation I was always very interested in how we'd support armed forces the nature of my job is to work with the armed forces rather than the personnel themselves but I always had that kind of in the back of my mind it was something that I felt that we could do more in the event that we met at was an opportunity for LinkedIn staff to go along and really do some outreach and and meet with people who are transitioning out of working for armed forces into their next role so the people there were a month away from leaving two years away from leaving it was a very varied amount of individuals and our role was to give advice on just some of the stuff we've been talking about a few minutes ago around how do you build a profile when should I do it how do I use it a lot of it as well was building confidence for those individuals because I think that the perception was well no one's going to want me to work for them I don't have anything to give you know LinkedIn's not for me I don't have skills and attributes so even just listening to people and giving them some advice was a huge part of that day and that's ongoing work we'll do not just with armed forces but with an array of um, outreach programs at LinkedIn and then we met you very boldly marched up to our, (laughs) our table which was which was lovely and I was ready to give you my whole spiel about don't worry about coming out of the REF or whatever it be that you were doing but obviously you work for this fabulous organisation and it struck me straight away that I had never thought about the spouses in this journey with LinkedIn in the last three years. It wasn't something that was on my radar. I feel quite foolish about that because it's obvious, but it's not obvious. But the individuals who support those people that are in active duty are just as important in this journey as well in this transition. So it's wonderful to learn that there are people like yourselves that are supporting them. But what it means for LinkedIn and for me is how do we help that particular area of this sector as well? And how do we give them the confidence to to be on LinkedIn because they've got just as much to give and in some cases have to give. They have to come back and get a job and, you know, it's important that we're there at the end to help them as well. That's great. And I think if anybody's listening to this podcast, they'll get on LinkedIn and, and start building a profile because, as you say, even if they're seven years from leaving or if it's a spouse who's not even thinking about starting work because 
she's just had young children then get on it now is is key, isn't it? Absolutely. I've used the analogy about Christmas before. The people who do Christmas well are the ones that buy presents either in the Boxing Day sales or around September, and they're planned (laughs) in their heads. They've got everything wrapped in a way, and I've got a child now, so I need to kind of take my own advice here. But if you know you've got it all done and ready, you can just enjoy the Christmas period. Yeah. What I do is I wait to Christmas Eve, don't I? And then I finish work, and I go out shopping, and I go, oh, my goodness, I don't know what to buy, I don't know where to start, I haven't done any research. And I need to give a present to someone tomorrow. So think of it that way. If you're someone who is organised any kind of event like that, you would want to plan because Christmas is important to you. Maybe Christmas isn't important to you. It's my example here. But that's the same with this situation with LinkedIn as well. The the earlier that you can plan and put the preparation in, the easier it will be when you come to do the applying and the interviewing. That will be the easy step. You'll have done all the hard work by then. So, Lauren, I'm going to ask you a question that I really don't like being asked. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) And that is, where do you see yourself in five years? And then what would you say to yourself five years ago? Yeah, I hate these questions as well. (laughs) Um, I'll answer the, the second one first. So if I could go back and tell myself something five years ago, I wouldn't tell myself anything or very little. Because I think the way I am is I would just worry about things. A lot of bad things have happened in the last five years, and there's a lot of good things as well. But I don't think it's helpful to know too much because then you kind of artificially change things, and I just don't think it would be very beneficial to me, other than the lottery numbers, perhaps. A boring answer, but that's my answer to that. And then the question about future goals, and I think everyone at some point has been asked, you know, where do you see yourself in five years, ten years? I don't know is the true answer. But I will tell you something that one of our senior directors at the company said recently at a meeting. And he said, just guess. If you don't know, just guess, whatever that is. Because at least it's something. And it's something that you can kind of work towards, even if it's just little bits and bobs. Because you can't really expect that that one job company thing, you get it bang on in 10 years, that's a bit unrealistic. So his view is to guess and just adjust as you go along so I don't have an answer but that's some advice if anyone's listening and that is a really good answer for military spouses because actually we have no idea what we're doing in (laughs) two years three years four years five years so that's a great answer and be ambitious if you want to do something there's no problem saying that you want to be the chief exec of Lloyds Bank and just do everything you can in those 10 years to get as close as you can what's wrong with that it was a real pleasure talking to Lauren today if you'd like to get in touch with her you can follow her on LinkedIn at Lauren Duncan, or if you'd like to send an email, please send it to us at inquiries at recruitforspouses.co.uk and we'll make sure that that message gets to her. Thanks again for listening to our podcast and we hope you enjoyed it.